Welcome to the business of beautiful spaces. I'm your host, Laura Thornton, principal of Thornton Design. I'm beyond thrilled to bring you this podcast where I am going to share over 25 years of experience in the interior design industry. As an experienced interior designer, I understand the challenges of running a successful business while also creating beautiful and functional spaces for our clients. Throughout my career, I've worked closely with trades and other professionals to bring my clients' vision to life. And along the way, I've learned a thing or two about balancing that creativity and practicality when running a business. In this podcast, I aim to share my knowledge, my insight with you, other designers, covering all the aspects of the interior design industry, from the creative process to the business side of things, from selecting the right materials to managing budgets and timelines. I am going to share all the tips and tricks that I have learned over the years to help you run a successful interior design business. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out in this industry, this podcast will be for you. I'm looking forward to sharing my experience with you, answering your questions, and helping you navigate the exciting world of interior design. So let's get started on the business of beautiful spaces and explore the art of creating beautiful and functional spaces while running a successful business. Welcome back to the business of beautiful spaces. I'm Laura Thornton, and today let's talk about what we did not learn in design school, the art of running a successful design business. Design school equips us with all the foundational skills. We learned a lot about AutoCAD, drafting, which I've never done again since I graduated over 20-something years ago, fabric types, and so much more. But when we all take this bold leap into entrepreneurship, many of us found ourselves in very unfamiliar territory. Yes, are we good designers? Of course. Did we feel like we were ready because we had people asking us to work for them? Of course. So there was this, you know moment where we all decided to take this big leap, but there isn't a manual on how to run a business or how to get make sure taxes are being paid or what taxes I have to pay or client relations. So I remember the early days of my entrepreneurship, I was poring over books. I must, I read books all the time and trying to grasp the nuances of business ownership and, and what that meant and what I was supposed to do. And these books can only teach us so much. And and the other thing is I'm a Canadian and there wasn't a Canadian book on what to do. Everything was about American and it didn't really relate to me. And the taxes weren't relevant and your building laws weren't relevant. And there was so many things that weren't relevant, but I was so hungry for information that I would pretty much read anything you put in my hand to try and teach myself. There wasn't a school of how to run a business. I have a son who's in university for business school, but they're not teaching you how to run a business. So where do we all look? Where do we all turn? Where do we go to try and figure out all these countless hats that we have to wear? Because suddenly we're not just interior designers. We're also accountants. We're the human resource managers. We're the customer service reps and so much more. So I want to break down a few things that looking back over 20 years of um, running my own business, knowing what I know now, what would I do differently? And I mean, we are at a time with social media and the Google and so many wonderful tools that are at our fingertips, master classes and learning online that are invaluable, quite frankly, right? Like you could learn more in a lot of these online um, masterclasses than we did in school or in all the years of, you know, trying to figure it out when the community wasn't such a sharesy community. So 
I want to share today what I would have done differently. And and obviously I learned that through doing. So the first thing that I would start out with is you need to figure out whether you're going to be a sole proprietor or if you're going to be a corporation and you need to do your due diligence on what this means in the area that you are. I am currently in Ontario, Canada. I'm in the GTA area, which is the Toronto area for anyone who's not familiar. But if you're in the States or you're in Europe or you're wherever you are listening, because I'm amazed where people listen to this podcast from when I see all the analytics. I can't speak this morning, analytics. Uh, (laughs) um, Wherever you are, please do your due diligence. So I'm going to speak from my perspective of being a Canadian, um, but I do try and keep it a little generic. But please do your own due diligence. As mentioned, make sure that you're um, looking into what is for your particular area. But First, decide whether or not you want to be a corporation or a sole proprietor, meaning a corporation, you're the only shareholder and or if you have a partner. But sole proprietorship here in uh, Canada means that um, you're not incorporated. So therefore, if there is anything legally that happens um, with you, that whoever is suing, you can go after all of your personal uh, assets. So of course, I am incorporated here at uh, my business, um, Thornton Design. We are incorporated and I have been for some time. But again, not having that knowledge prior, uh, I was flabbergasted when I was told that by my accountant when I finally engaged in hiring an accountant for the business. Um, I was so shocked that I had gone all those years with, I felt like very much unprotected. And again, it was, I should have looked into that. I should have known more. But when I started my business, it was a side job. Um, I didn't even have children yet. I was working in uh, commercial interior design and I thought, oh, I'm just going to do some weekend paint consultations. And so I started doing things on the weekend. And so I had this business and it was fine doing paint consultations because what could you sue me for? A couple thousand dollar paint job? Fine, (laughs) I'll fix it. Um, But as the projects grew and the company stayed the same, I never really thought about it again because I didn't have to. And years later, you know, projects got bigger and bigger. And it was not just paint consultations. It it was renovations and, um, you know, things that could go wrong down the road. And and we all know if there's an insurance claim, regardless if, if the contractor has nothing to do with you, you just pricked all the pity things, the insurance company is going to come for you. You're going to be on the, um, the lawsuit just till you prove yourself that it wasn't you, that all you did was pick it. You didn't install it. And so you still have to pay money to, you know, support yourself and defend yourself. So... Um, yeah, important stuff here. This is a big decision right off the top. What do you want? And if your intention is to maintain your own business for a long time, um, you definitely want to discover which one you would prefer. I I would say incorporate right from the beginning. I get that there is an extra cost associated with that. In addition um, to that, you have to file corporate taxes. So do your due diligence and figure out which way you want to go. But if you are doing substantial size projects or you ever fear that, um, you know, our clients who clearly we are a luxury luxury service can probably afford a better lawyer than I can. uh, (laughs) We want to make sure that we're protecting ourselves in every way possible. So figure out which way you want to go. And from there, um, once you have that, I would say your accountant becomes the next most important thing. And again, I know I just told you my backstory of where I started and it was really easy. I would make a check and put it in the bank. It was not rocket science, but eventually the projects grew. And now you're buying hundreds of thousands of dollars under your client's projects. And 
you know, it starts to get a little scary if you make a mistake or you didn't do the taxes correctly. And, and let's face it, we all are capable of doing all these things. As I mentioned, all the hats, we're all capable of doing it. But at some point you have to sleep. And at some point you might want to hang out with your loved ones. And at some point you might want to see your girlfriends. And at some point you might just want to breathe, <laughs> relax. So, I mean, if I had 40 hours every day, I might be able to get all this done, but I don't. So we have to get, start giving up some things. And And the accountant I didn't engage until probably 15 years in business. And I wish I had done it far sooner. Um, You know, not only do they tackle a lot of things that, yes, do I think I could do it? I think I could do it. But like I said, as the as it took more and more time, I used to only have Fridays to do accounting. And then it started to bleed into two days a week. And I'm like, two days a week. This is now eating a lot of design time. And I don't make money on accounting. I make money on designing. So I had to start thinking the way I ask my clients to, which is let me run this and do this. This is what I do. I can do it more efficiently. I can do it better. And I had to hand that over to an accountant and say, I get that they can do it more efficiently. I I really hate paying somebody to do something that I can do, but at the end of the day, they can do it better. They can do it faster. And they have the software that can itemize it and make it all better. So I had to do that. And, and in, in doing that, it came with some other perks. One being that the accountant would sit down with me once a month and they send me all of the numbers and I can see where things are outstanding and I can see where things are growing and I have charts and I can see which avenues are making me more money and which aren't. And I can decide from there whether or not I want to maintain investing into that element of my business um, versus, you know, focusing on where we're making the most money, which is ultimately the goal of running a successful business. In addition to that, they taught me the difference between revenue versus gross versus net profits. Um, for almost 18 years, I was calculating markups incorrectly. Uh-huh. Yes, that's true. It wasn't until I engaged in a uh, different software program that you had to type in all of your markups that I was thinking 50% was 50%. <laughs> it's not. And I was thinking if I thought I was making 20% on something, I wasn't. So th- that was a big eye-opening moment where I had to call my accountant and say, all these years we've been talking about this and this, and I wasn't on the same page. So um, basically what I had said to him at that point was, let's go back to the beginning, and I want you to teach me each each thing. Because I thought I, I knew, and most of it, I mean, I know the difference between net profit, growth profit, gross profit. And if you don't, you should. I, I'm not here to teach you a lot of that today. But, you know, like simply put, accounting 101 is this. Revenue is the total income generated by your business. Gross profit is the revenue minus your cost of goods. So that becomes your net profit. That what remains after everything is paid. Now, that you haven't paid yourself with yet. You haven't paid rent. You haven't paid your car. You haven't paid your insurance. You haven't paid. So you haven't paid the accountant, but that's the nuts and bolts of it. And then it goes deeper than that. So let an accountant teach you properly and show you just what you need to see to be able to um, function. And I don't mean just, but what I mean is this way you can have a really clear overview because these are just scratching the surface, the items that I'm discussing today. But taxes are a maze that I don't want to make a mistake on. Like I have to file quarterly taxes. I have to file corporate taxes. I have to file staff salary taxes every month. I like source tax. Like there's a lot that you need to do. And I don't mean to say that so that it scares you because it's not. Once you start doing it, it becomes very simple and rote. And it's in my calendar of the things that need to happen every month or every quarter or every year. But without 
the help of that accountant, I was realizing how much time I was spending on these things and it was eating up a lot of time. And let's be clear, I'm not an accounting firm, nor do I want to be. I want to be designing and that's what brings me money and joy. And so uh, that was where I had to invest in an accountant. I just wish I had invested earlier. It didn't need to be as robust uh, as it is now with having a team and the project size that we're dealing with. But it really helped me understand where I could improve what and where I was making the most money. The profit and loss statements are immense. I was doing them for each project as I kind of still do. Of course, I know where I need to be and I know what I need to hit, but this is an overall because it's great that you're making money on this project and you might have lost a little bit of your income over on this one over here. But at the end of the day, at the end of the year, you need to know what you're coming in at as a whole. And that's where your numbers are really going to allow you to start building your business in a different way if needed, or help you focus in places where you might not have thought would have been as profitable. And then you kind of shock yourself when you see where the numbers fall. So an accountant was a really great tool. I wish I had actually um, invested in way, way earlier. In fact, I would recommend if an accountant is in your family and I don't love using family for accounting, but what I was going to say was maybe you have an accountant in your world where you can call them up and say, can I take you for a coffee? can we spend an hour? Can you show me what I need to do and teach you the terms? It doesn't mean you have to share any of your um, money or any of your income with them, just so that you have a better understanding if you can't afford an accountant just yet. Because it's great to read the books and it's great to get an understanding of what the definition is, but they will really break it down in a different way and allow you to see things in a different, clearer light. So at the end of every month, I end up with a a call with my accountant and we go over all of the numbers and he shows me, um, you know, what's happening, what's not. So that way I can allow myself to focus on other areas of my business. Now I know no one loves to talk about money, but I have to be honest, this is one of my favorite things about running a business is numbers who knew, but it really will give you some freedom into knowing how your business works and where you need to improve. So the charts are invaluable. Regular review of profit and loss reports, margins, and other financial metrics will give you a very clear picture of your business health. It helps you identify growth in areas and potential pitfalls. So another non-negotiable for me is a lawyer. Every project, no matter how small, needs a contract. It is not about distrust. It is not about, oh, I trust them. I've worked with them before. It is about clarity and protection. A contract outlines expectations, responsibilities, safeguards, both sides, both parties. Even if it is just for a single couch, I urge you to get that contract signed. It protects you. God forbid there's an issue or it's custom and they're pushing back and making you want to replace something that's eight, $10,000 and you didn't get them to sign this simple contract that you could have just emailed. You will hate yourself. So every single project needs a contract signed. Banking, another crucial aspect. Find a bank advisor that you resonate with. Make sure that you niche well, that they can guide you on business accounts. If you ever need a loan or you ever need financial planning, let's say you're making some fabulous money. You don't want to just let it sit there. You want it to make more money. So an advisor can be instrumental in helping you navigate any financial decisions you need to make with your business and ensuring that your business remains on solid ground. Okay, so let's say that you are able to have a mentor. I think this is invaluable. If you can connect with a seasoned interior designer, their insight, their expertise, their experiences will be a guiding light. I think you will learn more lessons from them than anywhere else. There's not a book that could teach you all of the things that a mentor can teach you. They've walked that path. They can offer advice that's both practical and relevant. And here's a revelation. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but absolutely none of these items have anything to do with interior design. (laughs) 
they're all about business and they're all um, very important roles that not, probably never came up when you were in design school. So uh, there is a balance of creativity and commerce. And when building a team, consider hiring. Okay, let me go back. I just wanna I want to make sure that we understand that these items I've always found that now that I'm running a business, I found these guys all, they're not all men. I just really fumbled all of this, but I'm not going to go back and redo it. I'm just going to say that these people, these roles, the accountant, the lawyer, um, I wish I had a mentor. All of these people have helped me learn to create a business that I'm not trying to you know, toot my own horn, but I would say is successful. We've been doing seven number years for multiple years and without this and without the knowledge I'm not sure if I would have got there as fast now you know I've been in business for a long time you know that it was a slow build I was home with my kids for a long time and then really slammed down the focus once um, my children were in high school and getting close to university years so building a business (laughs) is 80% business, 20% creative. I know, I know, you're like, what? It's true. You will find your days filled with less yay and pretty things and more of the business side of things. Sad, but true. And this is where you will learn the most. And so I'm trying to basically say, you'll be surprised how much you're going to get caught up in doing and running a business as opposed to running and doing the interior design things. Um, Now, when I first hired, I hired a designer first. In hindsight, I really found more value in hiring a project coordinator. I found that they were able to take more off my desk and get it onto their desk that allowed me to do more of the pretty things that started this business to begin with. So that's the revelation that running a business is more about business than it is about the creativity side. But when building a team, consider hiring a project coordinator, potentially over a designer, depending on what your business needs. They manage all my calendars, procurement, tracking, ordering, POs, um, basically all the extra desk jobs that can be done by pretty much anyone. Obviously, they need to have a handle on the business, but that'll free up more time for you so that you get to do the things that bring you joy in your business. So that project manager role became so important to me that I would rather have someone doing that in my business than a junior or an intermediate designer because I can still draw and I can still do all the things that I've always done. But by having somebody do the clerical end, it's really freed up my time. So I find that that project manager's role, also a project coordinator and or office coordinator, however you want to word it, um, really helps do all the calendar management, procurement and tracking, overseeing all the acquisitions of materials and ensuring they arrive on time on the proper date and that they're not going to be held up and somebody is constantly calling and making sure that these things are on track. They're ordering and they're purchasing and handling all the logistical wow i'm on a roll in this mucking this up handling the oh my god logistical aspects of acquiring design elements i can't speak i think it's time for a second coffee um but as you grow it really is essential to start to delegate some of these things off your plate trusting a team or others like the accountant like the lawyer like your banker it can be challenging but it's crucial for scalability you can't do it all you can't wear all the hats as the business grows focus on what you do best and delegate the rest Running a successful design business, as we know, is a journey of continuous learning. It's about embracing challenges, seeking guidance, and always striving for excellence. Remember, it's not 
just about creating beautiful space. It's about building a sustainable and thriving and profitable business. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I know that you probably were expecting some fabulous thing about fabrics and lighting, but at the end of the day, I really feel like the bones and the, and the structure at the very beginning is paramount into creating a more successful business at a more rapid rate. And by learning from the things that a lot of us more seasons designers have done and wished we had had um, access to at the time has been beneficial. So um, let me know if you like this. Please follow along. Please like and review us on Apple and all the places that you watch and listen to this. And I will see you next week. Keep on designing.